You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany Sermon Series, Come Home, Full Life in a Whole Church. In this series, we see that those who come to Christ find new life in a new family. We'll learn why the church exists, what it does, and how each of us is a valuable part. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. Thank you. It's good to pretend to see you. It's good to see the three of you. Hey, Ben, come on. You got to give us a warning before you're going to do something like that. I'm a little shook up right now. If you're following along at home, which if you're watching this, you are, uh, that was actually, don't, don't worry about this, Meg. I don't want you to be worried about this, but that was, that was the last week's text. So we just got some, con- you just got context for what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, so I'm going to read, it's Bobby's fault, we'll blame Bobby, Bobby Gillis. So that's the context, you got that. Here's what we're going to be talking about this morning, starting in verse 10 of Matthew 15. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. So last week, we had said, or I had said, it had been a surreal week. Well, this week was surrealer, surreal, realer, surreal, surreal. Uh, I was grateful in our Sojourn Church New Albany family. We welcomed a couple of new babies. We had babies born this week. Um, thanks be to God. Uh, hopefully, some of those families are, are watching. We love you guys, and we're grateful for. Uh, at least I know of two new babies that are here. So this is their first church service. Welcome to the world, Elias and Evangeline. Evangeline? Evangeline? I don't know. 
little baby Pierce, a girl and a boy. Um, so that was a, a real gift, a sense of normalcy in the sense of, you know, God's continuing miracles of bringing new life. But really, it's amazing how much is changing in a few days' time. And this week, we've really begun to feel the impact of coronavirus on a nationwide scale. Uh, everything from you know, retirement accounts, which if you have one, just don't look. Give it a couple of, couple of weeks, couple of years, maybe. <laughs> don't look. But everything from retirement accounts to restaurants are, are feeling the impact. Jobs are being lost. And many of us are trying to figure out what does normal mean now? We're in a time of great disorientation and uncertainty. One of the great uh, invitations, I think it's it's a true blessing that can come with times of disorientation and uncertainty is the opportunity to refocus and find sure footing. And this will often, to do that, Uh, to enter into uncertainty and confusion well will often require us to wrestle with profound, significant questions. Uh, One of the primary ones being, what does God want from me? What does God want from me in the midst of all of this? Or if you've been feeling some of the loss or or, uh, feeling the impact of these changes, maybe your version of that question could be something more like, what are you up to, God? What are you doing? Where are you? But both variations are, I I think... um, maybe both versions are variations of the same theme. What really matters now and what am I to do in light of it? The way we answer those questions, I think comes down to how we answer a more fundamental one. How does God feel about me? What does God think about me? What does God expect from me? That question, how does God feel about me? Where do I stand with him? The way we answer that question will shape and drive the way we answer all of those other questions that we're wrestling with now. Many of us, many of us, even before all of this happened, see God as disappointed in us and or angry with us. So we have to perform for him. To make ourselves right with God, we will do these certain things or make something of my life or do something that will keep him happy with us. And this can carry us for a little while. But eventually, That same old guilt, that same old anxiety, it creeps back in. And with the chaos of the world around us, it's hard to meet these challenges if we simply see them as a duty we have to perform for a disappointed God. Or if your whole world or your relationship with God is all dependent on the things that you do, well, what do you do when you can't really do much of anything? When, When you're social distancing, or maybe you're sick and you're You're quarantined in a hospital. What do you do from God when so much of our ability to do or the things that we're used to doing have been taken away from us? This passage, Matthew 15, verses 10 through 20, gets to the heart of what God wants from us. It's a passage that fundamentally, there's lots that we could talk about in it, but fundamentally it's a passage about the heart and the role of the heart in the Christian life. Meg just read for us what we talked about last week, this confrontation between religious professionals and Jesus over the relationship between tradition and law. And we we talked about how important it is for us as a church to be a house built on the word of God 
and not on tradition. Because as, as you're experiencing at home, for the foreseeable future, many of our traditions will look different. So are we, are we going to be rooted in God's Word, or are we going to be committed to doing the things the way that they've always been done? This week, we get a clue as to what happens when our house is built on His Word. So Jesus has this confrontation with the Pharisees, and then he's just kind of done with them. And in verse 10, he moves away from the Pharisees, and he shouts out over the crowd. He, he begins speaking to the crowd. And so in, ver, in verse 10, it says, Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's really important. Listen and try to understand. There, there's an awareness in Jesus. He knows that what he's about to say will be difficult. You'll have to work at understanding this. And I'm, I'm actually quite thankful that she read last week's passage. It's helpful to get that in our minds because this can be very confusing. Last week we said Jesus asserts the authority of the scriptures over tradition. So Jesus is, is affirming and he's kind of reclaiming the role, the central role of the scriptures as the authoritative revealed word of God. And yet, right after this, he seems to do away with a whole portion of the scriptures. And so Jesus is saying, pay close attention and try to understand what I'm saying to you. So right after that invitation comes the confusing part in verse 11. He says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. A huge portion of the Old Testament law had to do with what you eat. And if you eat the wrong thing, then you're wrong. And if you eat the right thing, you're right. If you eat the wrong thing, you're unclean and you can't come into the presence of God. So one of the ways they would answer, what does God want from me? They would say, eat these things this way and don't eat these things this way. So if Jesus takes the Bible so seriously or believes so much in the authority of the scriptures, <laughs> how can he just seemingly wipe out a whole chunk of it? And maybe you're sitting at home right now wondering, are we really having a sermon about food law right now? Why would we talk about this at all? Well, listen, this time in history, particularly for Jewish people, people listening to Jesus, this was a time of incredible disorientation and confusion. Jesus was turning the world upside down, in particular, the religious world. And now he's saying something about one of the most important parts of their whole lives, the food laws. Saying something like it doesn't matter what you eat would have been unthinkable to those people. They wouldn't have had categories for it. It, it, it would have been utterly disorienting and confusing, which again is why Jesus starts and says, listen and try to understand what I'm saying to you. Peter, love Peter, my man, he gives us, such an important lesson for how we handle disorientation and confusion. So remember, Jesus is calling out to the crowds of people, and he says this. And then Peter, his number one guy, right, like his right-hand man, kind of pulls him aside, and, and in verse 15, he says, and I see, I see Peter whispering, but we don't really know. He, he says, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Jesus had just gotten done teaching in parables and telling stories that were intentionally confusing. And it's as if Peter is saying, like, this is a parable, right? Like, you're trying to make, you don't really mean what you're saying. Help us understand what's going on here. This, or to put it real simply, this is Peter pulling Jesus aside and saying, what you're saying and, and the implications of this doesn't make any sense to me. So, before moving forward with, with this text... 
I want to slow down and try to learn from Peter here for a second. Because um, again, he, he's showing us something of what it means or how we are to respond to times of disorientation and confusion. When life doesn't make sense and it seems like God is up to something and we're not sure what, the best response to that is to run to Jesus, is, is to pour your heart out to him, to ask him. Peter doesn't pull other disciples aside. He doesn't get on Google and look for interpretations of what Jesus is meaning. He's asking Jesus. I know, I know many of us are feeling isolated and lonely. I'm thankful for the gift of technology and that, that we can do this, but there are real tears with the seven of us in this room this morning. It's wonderful that we can, we can do this, and it's profoundly sad. It's so quiet in this room right now. Much of this doesn't make any sense, and many of us are feeling isolated and profoundly lonely. And that's a real thing. And there's also an invitation. There's an, there's an opportunity in there to learn how to experience the presence of Jesus and experience what Meg said, that we are not alone in the, the most profound and the truest sense. So as we are confused, as the world feels upside down, we have to be a people that can bring our questions to Jesus. Why is this happening? What should I do? Help me understand. Do you hear Jesus' invitation? Listen and try to understand. And how does Peter try to understand? He goes and he asks Jesus to explain this to him. Maybe you don't have a question and you have a complaint. You're allowed to bring that to him too. Jesus he responds here to Peter by essentially saying, food does not mediate your relationship with God. Food does not dictate your relationship with God. Your heart does. He's saying, food doesn't make you sin. Your heart makes you sin. It's your soul, the heart in the scriptures. It's, it's the deepest place inside of you that directs your longings. It directs your affections and your desires. It it dictates what you trust and how you trust it. And the major purpose of the scriptures, including the commands of God, including the food laws, was to show you something about you that is hard for you to see. Something about me that's hard for me to see. Something about us and what it means to be a human in a fallen, broken world that is difficult for us to see. And it's that your crooked heart moves you far from God. Deep in the core of who you are, there's something distorted and sideways. And out of that distortion, out of that, yeah, that sideways heart comes all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of mistakes. The purpose of building your life on those scriptures, the purpose of being a word-built house is not to learn new rules and try hard to obey God's commands. The purpose of going to church it isn't to receive instructions for how to make God happy with you. The purpose of the scriptures, the purpose of building your life on them and following them is to come into the presence of Jesus 
and be transformed from the inside out. It's to have our hearts changed and transformed. Some of us, some of us come to the Bible like we come to dinner and we consume it as fast as we can. We, we come to any plate and we're in a rush and, and we sprint through it, which is something worth paying attention to now. Um, I heard someone the other day saying, it's no longer the freshman 15, we're all working on the quarantine 15. <laughs> That's weird, I said a joke and no, there's nobody in here. That's so weird. You get in that quarantine 15, amen, I hear you. We treat the Bible like microwave food, we, we heat it up quick and wolf it down even quicker. And like that food, it passes right through us. I'm not saying that you can't get any nourishment that way or that you can't survive that way. But you know that food is more than just nutrition. I loathe the phrase, food is fuel, because it undermines the good gift that God gave us. Don't you already long for the day when you can gather with some friends and some family and cook a slow, delicious meal and enjoy being with one another and not being afraid? Don't you long to sit slowly and soak in one another's presence over a long period of time? So food is fuel in a sense that it can keep you alive. But all of the flavors and all of the smells and all of the process was meant to foster community and fellowship and relationship. So it is with the word of God. It's not meant to be rushed through or just consumed quickly to check a box to keep yourself alive. The word-built house becomes the word-transformed house, the word-changed house, when we learn to savor the words of Jesus, soak them deeply into our souls. We allow it to pierce us and transform us from the inside out. That's the problem with the Pharisees. You see, Jesus, really since Matthew chapter 5, this has been his problem with the religious people. They play religious. They're hypocrites. They, do, they say the right things. They do the holy-looking things, but their hearts were not transformed. Their hearts were far from him. Jesus says to them last week that their worship was a farce. It was a joke to them. Peter is the contrast. You know, it's... It can be quite embarrassing to ask for help. It can be quite embarrassing to ask for help. But at least he's honest. You cannot have relationship with God or be transformed by his word without the kind of honesty that we see in Peter here. This passage is about Jesus asserting the authority of the Bible and pleading with us to let it transform our hearts, to take it in deeply. Many of the laws were given to try and show you that that's your problem, not your circumstances, not even your behaviors. Your heart is the problem. And the law was trying to show us our crooked hearts so that in seeing them, we would move to trust God and savor his grace, to rely on his mercy. So what does this actually look like? How do we take God's word in this way? We've talked kind of 
superficially about this invitation to honesty. Let me show you a passage from the book of Psalms, which in some way is the prayer book of the Bible. Psalm 62.8 says, O my people, trust in him, that's God, at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Now, the way most of us would come to a passage like that is we would start by learning what does it mean. What is a refuge? What does it mean that God is a refuge? What does the Bible say about what trusting him means? What, what does it mean that we are God's people? What does all times mean? And we go through and we try to understand this passage with our minds. It's kind of like eating this passage. You just take it in, figure it out, and it passes right through you. You know some information, but it's not transforming your heart when it goes through that quickly, or you only keep it up here in your brain. How do you build your house on this verse? How do you get it into your heart? Well, do what it says. Pour out your heart before him. Don't don't go just learn what poor means and what heart means and what God means and all these things. When, when Psalm 62 says, pour out your heart before him, pour out your heart before him. Say what you need to say. What does it mean to trust him at all times? It means that you believe he's a good father who loves you and can, he can handle you saying what you have to say. He can handle you being like Peter saying, explain to me what this means. He can handle your complaints and your concerns. You trust him by taking your cares to him and experiencing his presence. What questions do you have right now? What have these last few weeks been like for you? Have you talked with God about that at all? What what words would you use to describe how you're feeling after these last few weeks? What anger or losses do you have? What confusions do you have? What worries do you have? Whatever it is, you build your life on the word of God by doing what it says. Pour your heart out before him. That's an invitation to go and be honest with Jesus. Whatever you're doing, whatever you have to say, whatever words you find in your heart, in your soul, bring those to Jesus. Some of you may need help doing that. Maybe that's a very foreign idea for you. This is why we pray corporately. This is why the screen is still big enough to see this screen that we can see the words on it, that you can pray along. It's why we're writing liturgies every week and doing full services. Teaching other people to pray, giving each other words to pray. Throughout history, people have learned how to pray by going to church and engaging in the liturgy throughout the service. This is one way, prioritizing this time, that you can learn how to pray, praying these things out loud at your home. In in the Sojourn Collective app, We provide you with daily readings. You'll get multiple readings every day. And some of you have quite a bit of time on your hands and you're at home and you're now eating multiple meals a day with your family, not just dinner. You can read one of those verses out loud with your family and discuss it over each meal. Maybe just read the passage and then discuss with one another. What's God inviting us to do in light of this? Maybe you can read a passage that sounds strange and you can pray together. God, teach us what this means. It's it's free. You don't have to order anything or figure anything out, which readings to do. It's right there in the palm of your hand. That's one opportunity you have. Starting tomorrow, which is Monday, we're going to have a daily time of prayer on Facebook Live. So every day this week, starting at noon, there's going to be a familiar face from our church 
leading a time of prayer at noon on Facebook Live at Sojourn Church New Albany at our Facebook page. There'll be simple prayers, scripture-filled prayers, and then we'll take prayer requests in the comments. It could be a small sliver of your day to slow down, soak in the scriptures, and, and pour your heart out to the Lord together. These will be recorded and kept on our page permanently. So if you can't make it at noon, you can come back at other times and, and learn how to do this. The point is, you don't have to figure this out alone. Even though we can't gather together, we're not alone. It's good to pray by yourself and pour your heart out before the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. But we can soak in the words of the scriptures and learn how to pour our hearts out to him together too. In this passage it shows us why all of this is so important. Listen to how, again, he's talking to the crowds here and not to the Pharisees. And listen to why Jesus is so unconcerned about the Pharisees at this point. In verse 14, he says, They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. The blind leading the blind. No one comes out of that equation well. They, they come out of it in a ditch. And to you know, many of us are just feeling blind right now. There are so many unknowns. There's so many questions, jobs, finances, health, loved ones, our plans, our vacations, our new opportunities. There's just so much that is unknown right now. And we're, we're just feeling blind. And in the way it's looking, I'm not so sure answers or forecasts would bring much peace right now. There's a good chance, it, it sounds like, that life is going to get a lot harder before it gets easier. As a church, we've said this for years, and we see this playing out here in this passage. The Bible's prescription for disorientation, for confusion, for painful circumstances, is, is not always, I would say rarely is it, answers or explanations. The Bible's antidote, the Bible's prescription for those times is experiencing the real, tangible presence of God. He has revealed himself to us in his word so that we could see Jesus and come to him. Not for answers or changed circumstances, but for changed hearts. Transformed hearts that can experience the peace of God in all circumstances. This is what it looks like to become a word-built house. Steady, strong, ready to face the challenges in front of us, willing to lay down traditions and find a new normal for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. The word of God changes our hearts and leads us into the presence of God. That is where we will find our peace. That is where we will find our confidence. That is where we will find the strength to move forward and meet our challenges. And this is what we remember when we come to communion. This is why we do this every week to anchor ourselves in the core reality of the Christian faith, that Christ is with us. And so wherever you are right now, take what you have. Find something to eat. Find something to drink. And would you take a moment, get out your phone. You can get your phone out in church now, I guess, and selfie yourself, whether it's you or your family or Whoever you're with, if you're, if you're doing a viewing party on Facebook, take a screenshot of you holding what you have. And let's fill all of our outlets with pictures of us remembering and experiencing the presence of God. And we're using hashtag still here. 
What we're saying is even though we can't gather together, we are still here. The church is still here. The presence of God is with us. We are not a circumstance-built house or a tradition-built house. We are a word-built house. We are built and rooted in the presence of God. A virus may keep us from gathering together, but we are still here. We are the word-built house. We are the church, and we will endure. We are strong, and we can face the challenges before us. Why? Because Christ is with us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power that hovered over the waters of creation dwells in the hearts of all of his people. And in communion, we are reminded why we read the scriptures. We are reminded why we trust him. We are given the crystal clear answer that we began with to the question, how does God feel about me? We answer that question by remembering the night Jesus was betrayed. He took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you, which seals your relationship with God. Drink this in remembrance of me. How does God feel about you? He loved you enough to suffer for you, to give himself for you, and to be raised for you. How does God feel about you? He loves you. He's for you. He's relentlessly pursuing you. Yes, we are confused, but he is not. He is good and he will carry us all the way through. We must become a people who learn to be rooted in his presence. There we will be satisfied. We will find strength and we will find peace. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.